Lesson number 133, Surah Al-Hijr, ayah number 51 to 99. In these verses, inshallah, we will learn about the beautiful story of Ibrahim salam when he was given the news of the birth of his son. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to him angels, a group of them, in order to give him this good news. We learned about the story earlier in Surah Hud also. And here again, we learn the same story. And again in the Qur'an, we will learn the same story. So remember that in the Qur'an, stories are repeated. Just as the commands or certain signs, they are repeated, mentioned over and over again. Why? Because repetition is always helpful. Because sometimes you hear something from the mouth of one person in one particular way. And then the same thing you hear from another individual and in a different style. So what happens when the style changes? You understand differently. You understand better. And remember that although there is repetition in the Qur'an, the style varies. The details also, they vary. The details we learned in Surah Hud perhaps mentioned over here. And the details that we will learn over here, perhaps they were not mentioned earlier. So this is the beauty of the Qur'an, that there is a lot of repetition, but each time something is repeated, it presents you know, the same thing, the same concept with a different angle. So we understand something new. We can derive a new lesson from it, a different benefit from it. And the fact is that the more a person reflects on something, the more he can extract benefit from it for himself. I'll give you an example. In Sahih Bukhari, how many ahadith are there? Does anyone know? Approximately? If you don't know the exact number, an approximate guess? Hmm? You're close. Around 7,000. Okay? A little over 7,000 ahadith in Sahih Bukhari. Alright? And yet, there is so much repetition. There is so much repetition. Why? Because each time Imam Bukhari brings the same hadith, he brings it to extract a different lesson from it, a different point from it. So don't think that, oh, we're you know, reading the story again. Why is there so much repetition? Yeah, I know this already. No, no. When you like something, then what happens? You watch it over and over again. Right? You eat it over and over again when you like something. Why? Because each time you have it, you enjoy it. So the Qur'an, the beautiful words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we enjoy them each time. It brings a different flavor, a different understanding, a different joy. Alright? So let's begin. Ayah number 51. وَنَبِّئْهُمْ and inform them. Meaning, O Prophet wasallam, inform the people, tell your people, عَنْ ضَيْفِ Ibrahim about the guests of Ibrahim salam. The guests of Ibrahim a.s. What does that mean? That there were some visitors who came to Ibrahim a.s. But he took them in as guests. Because it is possible that someone comes to visit, but they're not welcomed. They're not really treated as guests. So these visitors, they came to Ibrahim a.s. And he took them in as guests, because obviously Ibrahim a.s. a very generous man. He welcomed them as guests. He treated them as guests. Who are these guests? At another place in the Qur'an, we learned that they are mukramin. Mukramin meaning they're honored. So they were very unique guests. And these were basically a group of the angels. 
whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to Ibrahim السلام, and these angels they came in the form of human beings and this was not something unique because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his messengers meaning his angels to his prophets sometimes in their original form and sometimes in a human form because angels have been given that ability to take a different form so for example the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he saw jibril the angel jibril in jibril's original angelic form two times all right but other times jibril would come to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also in a human form all right in a human form so these angels when they came to ibrahim alayhisalam they came in a human form andayf ibrahim and they came as visitors how many angels were they some of us sirin said there were three others said there were more but what seems to be likely is that there were three angels and they came in the form of human beings and these three angels were the three very important angels okay the three main angels and who are they first of all jibril secondly mikail and thirdly the malakul maut the angel of death israfil did not come because israfil has his mouth placed on the horn he does not move from there he does not turn his gaze away he is ready and waiting in order to be commanded to blow the trumpet so he does not move from there at all unless allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands him but from the hadith we see that israfil is just fixed in his place waiting to be commanded so that he can blow the trumpet so the three main angels came to ibrahim alayhi salam and dayf ibrahim jibril mikail and malakul maut is dakhalu alayhi when they entered upon him when they came to him faqalu they said salaman peace meaning they greeted him and this is a very beautiful etiquette that we see has been observed by the righteous people of all times that when you meet someone when you come before them the first and foremost thing is that you greet them the angels greeted ibrahim alayhi salam on the day of judgment when people will enter paradise angels will greet the people of paradise when people will meet one another in jannah they will also greet one another in paradise also we see that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send his greetings to the dwellers of paradise so who will get that salam those who say that salam today the angels when they came upon him faqalu salama qala he said inna indeed we meaning ibrahim alayhi salam said indeed we min come from you wajilun we are fearful wajilun is from the root letters waw jim lam and wajil is to experience to feel fear in one's heart you know when you see something and before even you say anything or you make an expression you feel fear in your heart it's such fear which is hidden and then after a few moments either that fear departs or it makes you say something or react in some way so that initial stage you know where that fear is in the heart where you're not sure whether what you're feeling is okay or not it's wajil fearful he said indeed we are afraid of you i'm not too comfortable why did ibrahim alayhi salam say that do you ever say that to your guests we're afraid of you why did he say that because ibrahim alayhi salam when his guests came he offered them food elsewhere we learn in the quran that he went and immediately he brought to them a roasted calf right and he brought it carrying it himself 
And remember that at that time there were no refrigerators, there were no freezers, there were no butcher shops. Okay, And if you wanted meat, you had to slaughter an animal right there and then because you couldn't leave it out there for long. So imagine the generosity of Ibrahim salam. He instantly went, slaughtered an animal, roasted it, and you can think of it as barbecued it, whatever. He roasted it and he brought it to them. And when he put it right in front of them, they're just sitting there, not eating. So Ibrahim salam, he qarrabahu ilayhim. He put it before them. Like he pushed it towards them, in front of them, so that they would eat it. But still the angels did not eat. Ibrahim wanted them to eat. Why? Because he didn't know they were angels. If he knew they were angels, he wouldn't have, you know, bothered to go slaughter the animal, cook it, bring it. No. Which shows to us the prophets of Allah don't have the knowledge of the unseen. They only know what Allah tells them. They only know what they are informed of. So he didn't know they were angels. So he kept insisting that they eat. Now has it ever happened with you that you insist that someone takes what you're giving them, but there's you know refusal, rejection constantly? You know, for example, you want somebody to come over. You say, can you please come over to my house? I'm having this. And they're like, I'm busy. Next time you invite them, again they say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm committed elsewhere. Another time you invite them, they still refuse. You know, every time there's some reason or the other, and they keep refusing. So then what happens? You feel disheartened. And you wonder, what is wrong after all? I'm sure this person has a life beyond their work and beyond their family. I'm sure they go shopping. I'm sure they go hang out with their friends. Why is it that every time I invite them, they cannot come? Right? So when you are constantly refused by someone, you wonder, what is wrong? This is not normal. Because those who are friends, people who are friends, there's no, you can say, takalluf between them. That they're not, you know, fake with one another, that they would be pretentious. No, they're comfortable. It's an easygoing relationship. There's no awkwardness. But when a distance happens between individuals, then, you know, there's refusal, there's rejection, and so on and so forth. So Ibrahim salam, he was worried that why aren't they eating? And just think about it. People come to your house, you don't know them, they're total strangers, you give them the best you have to offer, and they're just sitting there. They don't even extend their hand out to take one bite. Not even one bite. So obviously you would be afraid. So Ibrahim he said, Inna minkum wajilun. We're afraid that have you come here with a bad intention? Have you come here with an ill intention? What's the matter? We also learned Mufassirin, they said that Ibrahim salam he told them to eat, and the angel said, we don't eat, except that we have paid a price for it. So Ibrahim salam said that, okay, eat, and also pay the price for it. So the angels are like, okay, what's the price? He said, say Bismillah at the beginning, and after you've eaten, then say Alhamdulillah. Still the angels did not eat. You see, he was insisting they eat, but no, they're not eating. So he said, Inna minkum wajilun. We are afraid of you. We are concerned that what is going on? Why are you not eating? So then what happened? What did the angels do? They eventually informed him that they were 
angels and they had not come to do any harm rather they are angels and this is the reason why they do not eat so qalu they said la tawjal do not be afraid don't worry don't be fearful inna indeed we nubashiruka we have come to give you good news bighulamin of a boy that is alim knowing don't worry we have come to convey good news to you and by this ibrahim alayhi salam would understand they have come to convey good news of the future that means they have been sent by allah that means these guys are angels they're not human beings so then ibrahim alayhi salam stopped insisting that they eat inna nubashiruka bighulamin alim so look at the good news that they came to give him ghulam a boy meaning you will have a boy and he will be alim he will be knowing he will be knowledgeable ibrahim alayhi salam at this point he was quite aged it is said that he was past the age of 100 others said that he was around 99 years of age allahu a'lam but he was an old man by this point and ibrahim alayhi salam had wanted to have children from a very long time this is a natural desire of people in general that they want to have children yes there are people who say i don't like kids i don't want kids i'd rather live single i'd rather have no children at all but even those people there are those moments when they wonder i wonder how it would be like if i had a child of my own you know this is a natural human wish so ibrahim alayhi salam wanted to have children but for a very long time he was not given children and now eventually at this point what happened these angels are sent and they come to give him the good news that you are going to have a boy and that boy is going to be alim he is going to be knowledgeable he is going to be knowledgeable meaning not an ordinary child now who was the son the mufassirin say that this was ishaq alayhi salam the birth of ishaq alayhi salam that was described as that he was going to be ghulam alim and with regards to ismail alayhi salam ibrahim alayhi salam was told that he was going to be that he is halim okay about ismail alayhi salam we learned the quality of halim tolerant so if you think about it both of these sons of ibrahim alayhi salam one is described as knowledgeable and the other is described as tolerant both of these qualities parents want to see in their children would you agree with me mothers over here many times what happens mothers fathers they want that their child you know studies something and becomes something right just a baby and they're already thinking about what school they're going to go to what they would like him to study what university they would like him to go to hmm? i mean the whole plan is being made from the very beginning ibrahim alayhi salam is told from before don't worry your son is going to be knowledgeable and on the other hand about his other son halim he was halim tolerant now if you think about it these qualities are very beautiful qualities and qualities yet that we do want to see in ourselves as well as our children and i'm sure those of you who are not even married right now you wonder at times that you know if i have children i want them to be like this when i have children i want them to do this i don't know about you but i used to think like that a lot You know whenever I'd see children of other people I'd think yeah that's a good child I want my child to be like that 
right? Or these parents, they're doing a great job. I wonder what they do. I want to do the same thing when I have children. Hmm? So this is something natural. You think about it, that what are the qualities that I want my child to have? Some people want that their children should be very beautiful. Others want that their children should be very outspoken. Others want that they should be very confident. There are different qualities. And some say, whatever, I just want children. But what do we see over here? Good qualities. When you ask Allah for children, also ask that those children have good qualities. That they have good characteristics. And what are the good characteristics? Beyond health and physical strength. Beyond that, what are the good qualities? Yes. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I remember once my mom, she was telling me this woman, she asked Allah for children and it takes too long. So she said, oh Allah, give me even the child can hit me. I don't mind. Subhanallah, that child, I remember he used to throw rocks in his mother. Her throw mother. rocks at the mother? Yeah. Allah. So we have to be careful what kind of dua we make. Yes. That sometimes out of impatience, people say that, you know, whatever qualities, I don't mind, I just want a child. Whatever they do, they do. That's their life. That's their problem. No. Children are one of the best means of sadaqatun jariyah, of continuous charity. You know that? One of the best, easiest ways. Because what you teach your child, what you give your child, if he becomes a righteous person, a good person, as long as he will do something good, that reward is coming into your account also. I remember somebody once told me that teach your child Surah Al-Fatiha. Don't wait for them to turn four years old and go to an Islamic school and go to a Qur'an teacher and then they learn Surah Al-Fatiha, don't wait for that. You teach them Surah Al-Fatiha. Why? Because inshallah they have to read Surah Al-Fatiha for the rest of their lives. And every time they're going to read Surah Al-Fatiha, inshallah you'll be getting reward. Hmm? So children are a huge investment. Huge investment for your akhirah. As much as they are a bundle of joy and happiness in this world, remember that they can be a source of greater joy and greater happiness in the akhirah. So ask for children and ask for children who are good, who have good qualities. So what are the good qualities that we should ask Allah for? And if you already have children, don't say, oh, it's too late. No, make dua even now. And if you're too far from it, you say, I'm only 14 years old. Doesn't matter, make dua now, you never know. Right? So, what are the good qualities? Hmm? Salih. Okay. Righteous. Yes? Patience. Very, very important because life is tough. Yes? Respectful. What else? Hmm? Kind. Okay. What else? Soft hearted. Okay. What about mu'min? Mu'min, is Iman not a blessing? Is it not a treasure? Yes. So, righteous children who are believing, who are Muslim, who are submissive to Allah. Hmm? Like Ibrahim salam, when he was building the Kaaba, what did he make dua for? That from my children, raise a nation, ummatan muslimatan lak. And a nation that is submissive to you, O Allah. So this is also of the good qualities that we should be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. Ibrahim alayhi children, they are knowledgeable and patient. Why do you think so? Was he knowledgeable? 
Ibrahim himself, was he knowledgeable? Was he tolerant and patient himself? Yes. So remember that if you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you a child like who will become Umar radiallahu anhu, okay? Then become the mother of Umar too. Act like the mother of Umar too. If you want a child who reads the Qur'an, then read Qur'an yourself also. I remember once I attended a session by Shaykh Muhammad al-Sharif in which he was talking about how you can uh, you know, make your children hufal. So some advice concerning that. And one thing that he mentioned was that parents who read Qur'an themselves, who recite Qur'an themselves, whether in the night prayer or during the day, it is their children that memorize the Qur'an. Because it is not possible for a child to read Qur'an, to practice a recitation of the Qur'an, unless there is someone to hear him, listen to him and correct him. He cannot always be sitting in front of the teacher. The mother, the father, has to be able to listen to the child's recitation. Sister Jibina, am I right? Hmm? Because she's, alhamdulillah, a tahfil teacher, and lots of young girls. So what happens? The teacher does one part. Right? Giving the lesson, listening to the lesson. Who's going to make sure that the child is actually memorizing? Who? The mother. The father. But if the mother and the father are not able to read Qur'an themselves, then how can they teach Qur'an to their children? So remember that any anything that you want to see in your children, do it yourself first. And don't think it's too late. Don't think, I'm not even engaged yet. Why should I bother from now? No, start worrying from now because what you're doing right now will become a part of you which will you know, automatically transfer onto your children. Yeah, I just wanted to say that the school that I work at like a year ago started this pilot program of the HIPS program and they have very limited amount of students and they're mashallah learning Quran like HIPS and I speak to a lot of the parents and they're like, you know, it's not just a commitment from the children, but it's a commitment from the parents because, you know, at the Hajjah time, their children are waking their parents up saying, we have to practice our lesson, wake up and practice with us. So I was just like, subhanAllah, it isn't just the child that's working hard, it is the parents and they have to wake up and go through just as much struggle as, yeah. you know, their children and they are the ones that are reciting with them and working just as hard. Mm-hmm. So anything that we want to see in our future generations, that is what we need to adopt ourselves. That many times it happens that parents complain of children being disrespectful in their speech, talking back. But if they analyze themselves, this is how they talk. I mean, the husband and wife, they're quarreling all the time. They're answering back one another. So obviously that is what the children will pick up on. I have a student, the parent always follows a student. Those students, they memorize eight Jews. And the other one, only two Jews. They start together. So they're different. The one is eight Jews. She memorizes. The, the other one is only two Jews. What's the difference over there? It's different because uh, the parent, they're not helping the other. Mm-hmm. When I call the mother, she said, I'm busy. Yeah. You see, even in school, when it comes to math, when it comes to reading, hmm, what kind of children excel? Which ones? Those whose parents are constantly on their heads, literally. I remember I took my son to this uh, reading center for some time when he was very young, and there were these mothers who were bringing their children from school straight, okay, for a very early session in the afternoon. 
And those children, they had just finished their snack in the car and they're tired. And no, no, no. And, and the mothers are encouraging them. It's okay, it's okay, go, go, go. And they're going inside, studying for half an hour and then coming back. And the mothers are giving them more treats, taking them for swimming, taking them somewhere else. So busy all the time. Those mothers could be sitting at home, watching television, relaxing themselves. But no, children are an investment. So if for the sake of this dunya, parents struggle so much, why not for akhirah? So the place that I work at, there's these two students and their brother and sister. And if they make just one mistake on their work, they just start bawling as if they failed it. And the difference is their mother's always there, always watching them. So yeah, so it depends like what kind of parents you have from such a young age. Yeah. I mean, things should not be made too tough for the children either. There should be a balance. There should be moderation. But at the same time, being an active parent is very important. Assalamualaikum. I once read an article on why in school there are um, more Asian students that excel. And it was because the parents um, all get together and they encourage their kids. And even students, if they have elder children who are in university, they get them to come back and tutor their kids and start up programs and push them to do better. Because an entire atmosphere, right, an environment has to be created where the child can grow in a particular way. So whatever environment is made for a child, that is what he will become good at. So if you want knowledge, you have to create you know, an atmosphere of learning. If you want Qur'an, then you have to create an atmosphere of Qur'an recitation. As we said, uh, goals for ourselves in our life, we should also give uh, goals to our kids as well in the younger age. So they know that this is they have to do this thing. I remember when I was like um, in grade two, my mother was used to say that you are going to do engineering. And my whole of my family, I saw doctors all around. But you know, when I went for like um, after my 10th um, grade, I just filled up the form of engineering. And I don't know why I did. My father said, you're going to work with the men? I said, yes. He said, no, it's not going to be possible for you. I said, no, but I know from my childhood that I have to go for engineering. Sometimes we're blaming so much the Islamic school. We're saying Islamic school is so expensive. We're paying so much money. But I do not see any change in my children. My children, the same things. The kids is not learning anything. We do not see the change. But the change have to be from us and from the family. So, for example, if the school teaching them, don't listen to music, don't watch the TV. But if you go to the home, the father and the mother are watching the TV. So if whatever they're learning in the school, they not implement inside their house with their mom and their father, so doesn't matter how much you're paying for the Islamic school, yes, it's gone. And sometimes we blame the society. We're like, you know what, we're living in a Western society, what can we do? Children go to school here, they go to college, they go to university, they go to work. What can we do? But don't you see... Good kids even coming out of high school and they have survived. Their iman is still there. Why? What's the difference? Why? What's the difference? Why is it that some children, as soon as they are exposed to such a society, they lose everything? And others, they can hold themselves together. What's the difference? It's the family. It's how the family is. Because that matters a lot. We think that, you know, just send the child to an Islamic school, a weekend school, or an Islamic school, and then do whatever you want at home. And like this, we teach them hypocrisy. Literally, we teach our children hypocrisy from such a young age.
from such a young age if they see hypocrisy in our character, in our words, what will they grow up to be? Qala, Ibrahim said, Abashartumuni, what? Are you giving me good news? Allah, despite on that, Masani al kibar old age has reached me. Fabimatubashirun, what are you giving me good news of? You know, it's like he's shocked. This is not a question of denial. It's a rhetorical question for the purpose of confirmation. Similar to how we say, What did you say? What are you talking about? It's too good to be true. So Ibrahim salam, he didn't doubt that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was answering his dua over here, was giving him a blessing over here. No, it was just that he found it too big of a surprise. You know, it's like it was too good to be true. It was almost unbelievable. So he was shocked, he was surprised. It's like, what are you talking about? You're telling me that I'm going to have a child, even though I've become so old. What are you talking about? Qalu, the angel said, بَشَّرُنَاكَ بِالْحَقِّ We are giving you good news in truth. Meaning this is the truth. This will happen. This will take place. فَلَا تَكُنْ So do not be مِنَ الْقَانِطِينَ Of those who despair. قَانِطِين Plural of قَانِط قُنُوط قُنُوط is to give up hope. To despair. You know with regards to rain, when it comes after a long time, in the Qur'an we learn, مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا قَنَطُوا After they had given up hope. You see, sometimes there is you know, a certain thing that you want. And you try to get it. You make dua even. One year goes by, another year goes by, another year goes by. So eventually, what do you think? Maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe it's not going to happen. And you tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to move on from this. I'm going to forget about this and focus on something else. Why? Because you've almost accepted that it's not going to happen. Why have you accepted that it's not going to happen? Because it's been such a long time. It's been such a long time. So you don't think it's going to happen. So this is what qunut is. When you despair of something, why? Because a long time has passed. So the angels, they said to Ibrahim القانطين, Don't be of those who despair of Allah's mercy. Ibrahim replied, قال, He said, وَمَنْ and who? يَقْنَطُ He despairs مِنْ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّهِ From the mercy of his Lord إِلَّا الضَّالُونَ Except for those who are astray. So in other words, Ibrahim is confirming over here that no, 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 I have not despaired. I have not despaired because those who despair of Allah's mercy, they are الضالون, those who are astray. Those who have gone away from the right course. What is dalal? It's the opposite of hidayah. Hidayah is guidance. When a person is on the path, he's on the right way. And dalal is when he has lost the right way. He's gone off track, he's misguided. He's going to end up at the wrong destination. When a person is on hidayah, he's going to end up with Allah's pleasure and approval, and happiness. And when he's on misguidance, he's going to end up with Allah's wrath, disapproval, and punishment. So, when a person is making dua to Allah, and he continues to make dua, he is still hopeful, then he is on hidayah. But if a person says, you know what, I give up, forget it, I'm not going to make dua anymore, I'm angry with Allah. Why doesn't he answer my prayers? Does he not see what I'm going through? You know, such kind of words, is this hidayah? What is this? Dalal. So giving up hope of Allah's mercy 
What is that? Misguidance. The moment a person begins to think negatively about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's it. He's gone off the track. And this is exactly what happened with Iblis. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him, do sajda to Adam. And Iblis said, no way. Why is it that you're telling me to do something that does not befit me? And he said, oh Allah, you misguided me. You put me in this situation and I am misguided. So the fault is yours, not mine. What does this show? Did he think positively about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No, negatively. So negative thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are a source of misguidance. They are an indication you know, that a person is not rightly guided anymore. He's off track. And Iblis, what did he vow to do? That he was going to make people feel ungrateful. وَلَا تَجِدُوا أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ You will not find most of them to be grateful. Majority of the people are going to be ungrateful. And this is also ingratitude. That a person gives up hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you think about it, how many blessings it is that Allah has given to us? How many? Aren't they enough to assure us that Allah answers prayers? That He cares for us? Just because we're not getting this one thing that we want, we get so upset sometimes and we say, you know what, I'm not making dua. This is just like children, sometimes how they behave with their parents. That the mother is doing so much, you know, she's preparing pancakes, whatever, and when they're put in front of the child, he says, oh, I want them cut into strips. So then she cuts them into strips. Oh, but why is this one thin and this one too big? What's wrong with you? Why are you upset over the fact that the size is not what you want it to be? Aren't you grateful for the fact that you have nice, warm, fresh breakfast served to you? This is from shaitan. That he makes us forget what we have and worry about what we don't have. And become you know, really stubborn on it. So Ibrahim said, وَمَن يَقْنَطُ مِن رَحْمَتِهِ إِلَّا الضَّالُّونَ No way, I have not despaired at all. It is only those who are astray who give up hope in their Lord. Qala, Ibrahim said, فَمَا So what is خَطْبُكُمْ your business? أَيُّهَا الْمُرْسَلُونَ Oh you who have been sent. خطب, خطب, we have done this word earlier also. An affair, a situation that a person is in. In other words, he's asking them, so what else is it that you angels have come for? Because remember, it wasn't just Jibreel. Who else was it with him? Some other angels. According to some scholars, two more angels which were? Which were? Mikail and Malakul Maut. Now okay, Mikail is coming with Jibreel to give the good news of the birth of the son. Why is the angel of death coming? Angel of death is here? Why? There's got to be something else. And if it was just the good news that, okay, you're going to have a child, that could have been shown to him in a dream also. Right? That could have been conveyed to him through one angel. But a group of them is coming. Ibrahim salam, he knew that there's something more to the story. So he said, okay, so why else have you come? What is the real business for which you have come? قَالُوا They said, إِنَّا indeed we أُرْسِلْنَا We have been sent إِلَىٰ قَوْمٍ مُجْرِمِينَ To a people of criminals. To a nation of criminals. And what was this nation? The people of Lut In other words, we have been sent to punish them. 
we have been sent to bring about Allah's punishment on them. Because Jibreel, he was the angel who brought revelation to the prophets of Allah. And when the people rejected that revelation, then what happened? Jibreel was sent with the punishment also. So, قَالُوا إِنَّا أُرْسِلْنَا إِلَىٰ قَوْمٍ مُجْرِمِينَ We have been sent to this criminal nation, إِلَّا إِكْسَبْ But they assured Ibrahim alayhi don't worry, the entire nation is not going to be destroyed. Illa except who's going to be saved? Ala Lut, the family of Lut ajma'in. Indeed, we're going to save them altogether. Meaning, Lut and his family, they will be saved. But the rest of the people, they will be punished. But is it the entire family of Lut No. Illa mra'atah, except his wife. She is not going to be saved with the rest of the family. No, she is going to be destroyed with her people. Qaddarna, we have decreed innaha that indeed she lamin surely among al-ghabirin those who remain behind. It has been decreed concerning her that she is going to remain behind, meaning with her people, and her fate is going to be the same as theirs, which is that she is going to be destroyed in that same punishment. The punishment is going to befall her also. Notice something over here. Qaddarna. We have decreed. It seems as though we, I mean, because the angels are talking, right? So the angels are saying that we have decreed that she should be of those who remain behind. But is it up to the angels to make such decisions? Who makes such decisions? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why do the angels say we have decreed? Isn't it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who had decreed? Certainly it was Allah's decree. But remember, that in the Qur'an many times when the plural is used, and it seems as though the angels are talking, remember that they are conveying something, okay, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed them with. They are doing something, they are conveying something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed them with. So when you read this, on the surface it seems that the angels are decreeing, but what it means is that Allah has decreed. Allah has decreed and the angels are executing that decree. Alright? Allah has decreed and the angels are carrying out that decree. قَدَّرْنَا إِنَّهَا لَمِنَ الْغَابِرِينَ Why is it that the wife of Lut was to remain behind amongst her people? First of all, what was the crime of the people of Lut Obviously, kufr of the messenger. And with that, many, many crimes. I mean, we learn about how they spoke to their messenger and how they dealt with him so harshly, so rudely. Right? What else was their crime besides kufr? They were highway robbers. Okay, they used to do highway robbery. So, any you know travelers, caravans that were passing by, they would go and attack them. Okay. What else? Homosexuality. Okay. Now, I want you to tell me something. The wife of Lut salam, which crime was she involved in? Did she do kufr? Did she commit highway robbery? Was she homosexual? Out of these three, what did she do? If it was kufr, I mean she was a wife of the Prophet. She appeared to be a believer for sure. Okay. Highway robbery? No, I mean that's something that big men do. Okay. Thirdly, homosexual? No. She was married. Okay. Allahu alam. But the Mufassirin have said that the wife of no Prophet ever did khiyana to her husband. Khiyana in the sense of like intimacy in relationships. So what was her crime? Why is she being punished? 
because she supported her people. She supported her people. Al-mar'u ma'a man ahabba. A person will be with those whom he loves. A person will be with those whom he loves. Even if he doesn't do what they do, good or bad, still, his outcome will be with them. And you know the Sahaba, when they heard this, Al-mar'u ma'a man ahabba, they were so happy. They were so happy. Why? Because they loved Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They loved him. But they knew that their actions were not like the actions of the Prophet ﷺ. They knew that after all, he was the messenger of Allah and he would have a much higher station in Jannah compared to theirs. But when they found out that Al-Mar'u Ma'aman Ahabba, they were overjoyed. But at the same time, this statement is very scary. That who is it that we love? Who is it that we admire? Who is it that we support? So before we love someone, befriend someone, give our heart to them and take their heart, you know, think about who they are. Are they someone who love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Do they perform the deeds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and approves of? Because ultimately, who is it that we want to be close to? Allah azza wa jal. Who is it that we want to please? Him. So every person that whom we love should be someone who loves Allah also. So this woman, despite being the wife of a prophet, what do we learn? قَدَّرْنَا إِنَّهَا لَمِنَ الْغَابِرِينَ She would be of those who remain behind with the rest of the people. Recitation of these ayat. وَنَبِّئْهُمْ عَنْ ضَيْفِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِذْ دَخَلُوا عَلَيْهِ فَقَالُوا سَلَامًا قَالَ إِنَّا مِنْكُمْ وَجِلُونَ قَالُوا لَا تَوْجَلْ إِنَّا نُبَشِّرُكَ بِغُلَامٍ عَلِيمٍ قال أبشرتموني على أن مسني الكبر فبما تبشرون قالوا بشرناك بالحق فلا تكن من القانطين قال ومن يقنط من رحمة ربه إلا خطبكم أيها المرسلون قالوا إن أرسلنا إلى قوم مجرمين إلا آل لوط إن لم نجوهم أجمعين إلا امرأته قدرنا 